We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 440. We're brought to you today by Bet Online. Go check them out at betonline.ag. And if you want to get your bet on, there's still a lot of action going on. Use our promo code BLUEWIRE and you get a welcome bonus. We uh, There's obviously so much going on in the world right now. And uh, Scott, you just wanted to, to kick off the show acknowledging it and saying something. And I think it's, it's certainly appropriate and something both of us stand behind. Yeah, you know, we've, we've always kept this show very focused on baseball and the Yankees. And we've never really, you know, moved away from that and talked about anything happening in the world unless it has affected uh, the game specifically, you know, like coronavirus or other things that have, uh, you know, halt player or, or within a certain player's life or whatever. Um, but this is just one of those topics that can't be glanced over. It can't be unacknowledged. It, it's, it's something that we have to recognize and identify and talk about and frankly lean into because it is one of those uncomfortable situations where people don't like talking about racism and what's happening in the world with racial violence because it's, you know, there's a fear of backlash of, of saying the right thing or not saying the right thing or it's just one of these conversations that that people don't like to have, um, purely out of fear, I think. But I, I think that when you see what's happening uh, on a pure human nature part, that people are getting, you know, affected by the color of their skin, uh, and 
that there is absolute racism going on in this world and racial violence due to the fact that you're black is something that is just unacceptable. It's, it's, uh, it's, um, unbelievably disheartening. It's, it's, uh, against everything that I, I believe in firmly to my core. Uh, I, you know, I believe, and I know Andrew and I believe, uh, and share the same sentiment that you, you judge someone by their character, by, by their heart, what's in their heart, not by the color of their skin or, you know, choices that they ha- make or things that they do in their private life. Like these things don't matter to us. You, your character is what, is what tell is the telling story of who you are, your character and how you go about your life um, in, in the way that you treat people in the way that you, you handle situations and, you know, looking at what's been going on uh, throughout the world with all the, all of the, the violence, you know, a lot of it directed at the black community. It's, it's uh, extremely unsettling and disturbing and, um, it's something that we have to talk about. It's something that yeah that, that needs to be leaned to. It's conversations that, uh, while uncomfortable, are necessary. And I understand that this platform is not the way, is not the 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 exact place to do it. But at the same time, it's something that Andrew and I, you know, have done for 440 episodes for the past five plus years. And uh, you guys have known, gotten to know us as human beings. Uh, you know things that are happening in our personal lives. You know that. Uh, you know, uh, many of you we've met in real life. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a firm, it's a firm way that we handle all of the community that we do outside of this show with the BP crew. It's just, it's something that we truly, truly believe in. And, um, and unfortunately, uh, a, a lot of people in the world don't share the same sentiments in the way that they judge people by their character, but actually do, uh, have, you know, racism in their heart and, and believe that, people are, should be judged differently for, for other than, you know, what their character states and, and what is in their heart. And it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's sad. So we're not going to go on for this. This is uh, this is going to be just really just a statement to talk about this, but we're going to talk about baseball because that's what we do on the show. Um, but this is something that absolutely couldn't be unacknowledged. It's something that Andrew and I are both thinking about and something that's important to us. So, um, certainly wanted to say it. Absolutely. It's well said. And, um, yeah, we just hope. I just hope everyone out there who's listening uh, that um, you're feeling safe and and getting through everything that's going on right now. Uh, it's been a tumultuous, tumultuous three, four months, however long it's been. It's just sucked. It's just freaking sucked. So, and if that's a bummer to start the show, you know, sorry, but that's just like the reality of what's going on right now. We're gonna talk about the news that came out late last night that the players delivered a counter proposal to, to the league because, you know, at the end of the day, we both still want baseball back. And there's a lot of people out there that want baseball back. And, um, but we mentioned last week, what was it? Wednesday that we released that Tuesday or Wednesday we recorded where the owners proposed the drastic salary cuts. And it was one of those things. It's like, uh, well, we haven't even heard, a player, the player's proposal, they've just shot things down and I don't blame them because it doesn't even feel like the owners want a deal to get done with what they've proposed because that wasn't, a, in my opinion, something the players would ever accept. And now we got something from the players, although to me, it doesn't seem like something the owners will accept because they're proposing a longer schedule when the owners have been saying we want a shorter schedule. 
So they won 114 games starting June 30th, going through the end of October, which I think is a problem for a few different reasons. Two years of expanded playoffs, I think, to recoup some of the revenue. And then if the playoffs are canceled this year due to a COVID re, re, you know, uh, what's the second wave of COVID, which is very realistic based on all the, the information that's been uh, gathered, then they would have deferred payments and um, would apply to contracts of 10 million and above. So that at first I, I misunderstood that, but that's basically saying if you're making $10 million or more, then you're going to get deferred. But if you're making under 10 million, you get all your money right. up front. Which, which actually yeah. I think is a really important part of this whole proposal. Cause to me, that's a, that's a concession. And it's a clear concession coming back saying that, okay, we understand that some of these guys are making a lot of money and that it's going to impact the bottom line and the cash flow and all these things. I say cash flow, like they're not billionaires and there's not a cash, exp- you know, <laughs> ready to go. But, but you know, when you're looking uh, at, for some of them, you listen to them, they say there's when not. When you're looking so. at the books, it is what it is. Cash flow is, is whether there's money in the bank or not. The, um, the thing is that they are acknowledging, I think with that, that, that yes, there are some, some hefty, uh, hefty salaries that will go um, deferred. And it's really a concession for, I think, the owners. And the fact that, um, you know, they're, they're also willing and, and, and making sure that the, the guys who are making under $10 million, uh, you know, in relative standards, that's not as much, uh, not a lot compared to a lot of the other big name guys, right? So they're making sure that they don't get screwed and get their money so that there's no, uh, you know, problems with there. Because, whether you make a lot of money and it's a couple million bucks or a couple hundred or, you know, however, the, the league minimum. I mean, again, I, I know we always say these guys are millionaires. People say they're millionaires. They're complaining. I'm like, well, guess what? They also spend like millionaires, too. And they've gotten certain they've bought and they've purchased big houses and all these other things that they have expenses as well. So more money, more problems. Yeah, you just I mean, it can't go ignored. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, so I, I think that this seems like a much better starting point than MLB, uh, anything MLB put, which means that the association is is much more willing to make a deal, I think. Um, so I actually think that this is a very optimistic moment at this point. Well, but this also means they get 100% of their prorated salary, not 100% of their full salary they thought they were going to get in 2020, but 100% of the prorated, which would be based on 114 games. So they're actually asking for more money yes. than what the owner... So that's one thing where you say you're optimistic, but then I'm like, well, I'm pessimistic because the owners are saying less money, less money, and now the players aren't even saying, no, no, the money we agreed to. They're saying more money than the money we agreed well, to. Well, they're saying more money than we agreed to by adding volume, right? So like that's an easy thing to get rid of and get back to the but per... volume might not equal revenue. No, no, I know. But I'm saying on the player side, the, uh, volume does equal revenue or pay because that it equals it equals salary because it's but from the owner's perspective they're saying volume won't equal revenue because we're not getting concessions and fans and gate and all that yes well it does have a little bit because you there's there's more of a media play but the same thing look i think one of the biggest deals is that the 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 owners want to hedge their bet they want to make damn sure that they get these playoffs in and I don't think it's as much about the increase in games that gets more money to the players necessarily, but I do believe it's a lot, a lot to do with them getting in a full round of playoffs. When I say round, a full, uh, 
you know, bevy of playoffs, like from beginning to end. A month. From beginning a to month. end, you need to complete yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, a month of playoffs. And if, you, but if you're pushing to 114 games and you're pushing to the end of October, you are now flirting with a bunch of different things here. You're flirting with, one, oh. you got a uh, potential second wave that they're definitely worried about. Two, now you're messing with the money and the networks because now you're going to be competing with basketball, with uh, football primarily. Like, there's a lot of competition now. Well, you're already competing dollars. with them in October. But, but you're even more when the playoffs. You don't want to be competing with them as much in the playoffs deeper into their schedules. Did you see the thing, I forget who tweeted it, that the current baseball contracts, TV contracts, are for the month of October. Yeah. So if they were in the month of November, because that's what under this proposal, they would be the full month of November, that they would, that whole thing would have to be reworked. Which is a problem, because you, now you're looking at you can't all these just, other networks. I, I don't know right. what you do uh, at that point. Like You get first... I don't even know how to, I wouldn't even try to approach that, but it's, it's, it throws all schedules off because it throws all schedules off and it throws all budgets off too. Big time. Yep. So, so the, the, the networks that carry the MLB playoffs, so what TBS, MLB network, ESPN, and then Fox gets the world series, right? Yeah. Yeah. FS1 maybe. Uh, yeah, but it's still, whatever, whatever they are. Right, right, right. So those are the networks that hold the MLB playoffs. They each have different rounds, the wild card round, the division series round, et cetera. They have them blocked out. They have them scheduled. They know the division series takes place October 3rd to October 10th. The ALCS takes place from October 12th through October, whatever it is. I'm just making up dates. But now if you just push those to November, what happens now you bring up the point of NBA scheduling, NHL scheduling, other programming that was planned. So I just think that this player proposal creates more issues than just trying to stick to something of a normal schedule. So here's the thing, though. I'm not looking at this as like a, as, 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 uh, you know, something is completely defined. This is, this is, again, they're, they're, they're jockeying for position within a framework. That's what's happening. Uh, I think that because last week took, it took them a week basically to get back, right? This is a, a so very the, pivotal week. Like they, that was they, lost. Yeah, valuable loss. We said time. this last last time. They got to get in the same room and they got to have conversations. They got to have these conversations that are more fluid and, and not just like, okay, we're going to give you ours. Now you're going to give us theirs. They need to have some kind of almost like an arbitration hearing where there's a a negotiation and it's and it's in person and it's like they lock themselves in a room and they figure it out. You know, they've locked themselves. That's not how they've been doing it, though. They've been like absorbing all the right. information, and, not saying anything back, and then they go back and, and yes. delineate and then come back. But at some proposal. point, it takes so much time. At some point, you're going to have to realize that now we're at a point where we know where they are. They know where we are. We've both put proposals out there. We got to find some kind of common ground in order to get this going, or it's done. Like, it's not going to happen. And I don't know if you read uh, Buster Olney's article from yesterday about a lot of these mentioning some of the I owners. The, I read the blurb that was sent in our chat yeah. that a lot of the, yeah. A lot of the owners are just, are, are okay with this happening. And, and you see. That was my conspiracy. Well, you theory. look at who those owners are, you know, you start looking down the line. It's, you know, a lot of the people that are not spending much money, the ones that are, that are being uh, a lot. They're saying 2020 is going to suck no matter what from a revenue standpoint. So what's so the difference if we it. just don't have a season? Yeah, it's such yeah, a short punt it. It's such a short punt term it. mindset in the sense that maybe it. No, makes, I think they're having a long term mindset. Well, it might make economic sense for now. I'm talking about for the game. They think fiscally oh. it's a long term mindset. But what I'm saying is well, that's all they care about. It's a yeah, but I think it's wrong because I think that when you're when you're doing that now, especially when you're putting that message out, and then if you implement it. 
it's sending such a horrible, horrible, horrible message to every fan in this pl- on the planet that likes baseball. And it's, uh, at the end of the day, it's going to fiscally interrupt what you're doing. I, so did you read Jason Stark's article memo? I've read so many athletic? of these things. I don't, I, don't, I think so. Stark wrote, Stark wrote like what he called a memo is basically just like a, a verbal word dump of how he thinks that baseball would make a huge mistake by driving what he called driving off the cliff. If there's no season this year and that he compared it to the 94, 95 strike when they canceled the world series, that's when baseball lost its strong hold of America's past. Right. Yeah. The cost, the cultural, maybe, maybe you can say that was a turning point, but I think it's been a slow burn for baseball. They've been losing a small percentage of market share year over year over year. And I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that it, there was a canceled World Series in 1994. And I don't think if you cancel the season this year, it's really going to change the fact that diehard baseball fans are going to continue to watch. But the casual sports fan, unfortunately, does not give a crap about baseball. I don't think they're going to give a crap about baseball if they come back this year or don't come back this year. Baseball has done nothing over the past 20 years to capture the casual fan. Their games have gotten longer. There's been less and less action with each passing year because there's more three true outcomes, home run, strikeout, walk. The game is less interesting from an overall standpoint. There's no longer like the Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez, Ken Griffey Jr., Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, Pedro Martinez type of face of the game. Like Mike Trout is unequivocally the best player in baseball. What percentage of the country knows who Mike Trout is? Could pick him out of a lineup. There's a lot of other things that go into the the, the Mike Trout thing is is a frustrating example for me because he's also made that choice. He's also made a choice to not be on the limelight. That's his personality. So it's hard to it's hard to say that that's a baseball problem. Uh, I, like they don't put a lot of their their faces on as much. I think they've done a much better job of it in the past couple years. Um, but yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. It, there's definitely been my overall point is that it's it's like a it's on a slow decline. And yeah, I get it. People, a lot of people are going to be pissed off if there's no season because they can't figure out the the dollars and cents this year. But when they do come back, if they come back in 2021, you and I are going to still watch. Pretty much everyone who listens to this podcast is still going to watch. All the people we interact with, these diehard baseball fans, the baseball fans will still watch. See, that's the, And that's what baseball has. Here's, they have baseball the fans with, and that's here's it. Here's the problem with what you're saying though. You're talking about like, you're doing that, obviously making comparisons indirectly to other sports when you see football football has 16 17 weeks uh 17 weeks in a regular season like it's it's such a short defined period where people have to watch obviously and and just naturally it's going to get more casual people on there because it becomes more of an event at that point right it's it's more of a a speculation nba does a very good job but i think they probably do the best job marketing their players putting their players out on the forefront They've done it. They've they've tied it from video games to to endorsement deals into into culture into fashion. They've done it very 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 well, and I think uh, that's a great example of how to do it. Uh, I think baseball has a long way to go, but I think the way that the season is, the way that the the, the games are, naturally you're not going to get that casual fan interested. The, the casual fan will go to a game and have a good time at a, at a game, and then maybe they become a fan because that's how you get turned. But the casual fan's not going to just casually turn on a baseball game and watch it during the weekday. It's just not going to happen. It's because it's a lo- baseball's a local sport, whereas NBA and it's and, much and more NFL national. Have become national Correct. sports. Baseball, you have a connection to your team, your guys who you watch day in and day out, and you follow throughout the enti- the course of six months. Right, it's you a, have a it's relationship. A long haul. 
you have a relationship with each team yes. that goes for half of the year, if not more, if you're really following closely throughout the offseason. Yes. It's completely different. And that's just the reality of the sport. It's one of the reasons why I love this. But, and that's one of the things more I, than I think it's, it's, it's easy to say, oh, baseball, you've done such a terrible job in the way that you've done things. And I'm not blaming I'm not baseball. saying you in general. I'm saying it's just, it's just the reality. But that's, but that's the thing. That, that's, that's exactly it. It is a part of the game that's a little bit more, it's more, it's harder to capture what baseball is, I think, in today's digital age than it is other, some of these other sports. It's not as much of a highlight reel sport where you can package these things that are just, you know, that get everybody excited. I, I just don't think it's, I, I think it could be done. It's just not as easy. And I think there's been an involvement over the past couple of years where they're definitely making effort and you're seeing it on the players end too, on baseball's end, they're putting uh, f- more focus on certain players. Like they are on the back end doing, making these movements um, with, with the agencies, with the players themselves and players are being more outspoken. So like it's starting to happen. And that's why I think this particular case is so different than 94 because 94, you didn't have the media swarm. You didn't have the, the unbelievable popularity of these other sports to the level that they are now. And now all eyeballs are on you. Every eyeball is on what you guys are doing. So all those, all those, you know, the narratives around baseball will just be risen up and louder and louder and louder today. Way more than 94. There was a control of the media in 94. Well, I just think it might be short term uh, as far as the, the backlash and that people will get over it because my overall point is that baseball's it's been a slow burn, the decline of baseball. And I think a big reason why it's been a decline is the sport has become less interesting. And I think if, I don't know, I'm not saying this will definitely happen, but if there is a major shakeup and they don't play this year, and then for the next CBA, a lot of changes have to happen because they say, well, we really effed up by not playing. We need to really overhaul things, make it so players get paid earlier, so it's more competitive early on in their, in their contracts versus later on in their contracts. The game will hopefully speed up. Maybe you do a shorter shorter overall season with expanded playoffs, get more teams, more cities involved. Maybe that could be a good thing long-term, 10, 20, 50 years down the road for MLB versus then just let's just get back on the field for 2020, recoup as much money as we can right now, and then business as usual in 2021 going forward because business as usual might not be good enough. So I don't think you can go back to business as usual at all. Like I don't think that's even... A, a, a realistic possibility, whether you play or not. One of the other things that they talked about in this proposal uh, that I thought was interesting and, and kind of goes to your point, because I do believe right now they actually can start that, that new, that wave of, of, of more interesting things with exactly what you're talking about. Uh, I'm trying to find where it was. Uh, oh yeah. yeah the the players propose the, a willingness to do off season things like home yes. run derby, all-star game and special events to be, to generate re- uh, revenue. That sort of reminded me of like in the twenties when Babe Ruth would go on his barnstorming <laughs> right. tours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. That, that this, that would be like to just say, Hey, this is, we're here. This is, uh, this is what we're doing. But I, so what are you talking about? Like a February home run derby I, I or something it, like kick off spring training with a February home run, whatever derby? that is, whatever that looks like the fact that they're, they're putting this in there, proposing the fact that they could do that. Um, you know, add more of a speculation to uh, 
uh, a spectacle of, of what what's going to happen with baseball. Put their players on 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 blast on at a time when they're not actually playing. I think could be something that's interesting. It also could get ignored completely, like kind of like the Pro Bowl. But it, it it could be something if they if done correctly. Well, the other thing was union proposal had agreed uh, to provide minimum player commitments on uh, provide minimum co- player commitments on broadcast enhan- enhancements like wearing mics and then programming away from the ballpark. Also, now you're in season. Now you're talking about micing up more guys, having more interactions, whether it's you know a, a podcast following them or a video following them or doing whatever they're going to do off the field as well. Now you're bringing in a lot more uh, content based on the player over the game, the player focusing on the player, getting those emotional ties. I think that's another big part of them saying, okay, we'll do more off the field also. And uh, if we can get on the field and, and now I think when we're talking about all those things, there's actually a very good opportunity for this condensed season, increasing, uh, you know, eyeballs on the players themselves and then extending the season, quote unquote, with a derby or, a, or an all-star game, something afterwards that can be in a controlled setting in a, in a warmer climate that they could kind of figure out later. I think it's a pretty good alternative. I think all that stuff is good as long as the games, the season becomes more interesting. I I don't think that's going to make the season more interesting. I think that stuff becomes interesting if more people are watching the regular season and following these teams on a day. Well, you come back in a short season. You're going to have the only way to do that. Well, the only way to do that, but the only way to do that, I think, going forward with baseball is to make each game more interesting. Do something. You got to make each game more well, interesting. That's what they've been trying to do with the juice ball. They think that they thought they were doing that. Well, but but instead what they got was a bunch of 3-hour and 40-minute games that are 4 to 2. The scoring's not up. There's just some more solo home runs and more strikeouts but, and more walks. So do you do you acknowledge that baseball by doing that whether they acknowledge it or not publicly? Do you do you think that that is a positive in on on their end for trying to move the game, make it more exciting? I guess you could look at it that way. If that was their intent to gain more eyeballs, like they did in the PED era, they tried to do exactly what they did you in had 98. the home run race, but it backfired. I mean, maybe I think I think, I think you it was I have misplaced. You and I have a different opinion, though. I think than a lot of other people. I think that by creating more of a highlight reel, like increasing home runs, does do that. It increases the ability to put. Put things ratings up. ratings weren't up last year for baseball but but do ratings have to be up for them to grow it or do they have to have like more eyeballs on some of these shorter highlight clips as well like where where's the judging because that's that's I, more okay, of like but, but but that's like planting the seeds that what that's doing is that's cultivating maybe they're not watching it yet but in, does that translate to more uh tv eyeballs in four years i don't maybe i don't think but i don't think you can keep People. It's like saying if you're growing the Little League game now, no, it's not helping your, your TV revenue. But in 10 years, is it going to? Very, very, very possibly. There's definitely a long-term effect here that I think could be in play. And maybe that, I was, might be in, maybe that was a different way to go than, than you or I would go. I just, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm obviously not the end-all be-all here. It's just, it's just one person's opinion. I'm a, I'm a diehard baseball fan, so I think like I have... I think maybe more... Maybe I am making the mistake in assuming people share my opinion, right? Yes, that, I think some people that do. Baseball, that baseball games are too long and that I think it would – the thing that would benefit baseball most would be to get the games under three hours. So you're there two hours and 45 minutes. You're watching on a nightly basis. That is consumable on a nightly basis. And 
you make the regular season games more interesting, more meaningful somehow, whether that's shortening the overall season or adding like a point system. I've talked about this point system like a hundred times on this podcast. If you can make each regular season game more meaningful somehow, create more playoff races, I don't know. Maybe you got to shake it up that way. But I just don't think that uh, some 14-year-old watching a highlight on Twitter translates to that when that 14-year-old is 25 watching MLB Network. I don't think that translates. Why don't you think that translates? I, I think that resonates. Because the game is still boring to that kid. But, but, he's, but that's, a, that's the thing. Like He's watching it and then potentially going into it a little deeper. It's a taste. It's an interest peak. It's, you know, when, when we were, he's watching the 60-second clip. He's not going to watch a four-hour game to see four solo home runs. First of all, I, I think that as we get older, our, our tastes change very much. Our, 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 uh, our time frames change. Our patience is different. We have more of an attention span for other things. I think that you're trying to peak an interest like we all did watching SportsCenter. Like you're watching highlight reels. You're like, damn, that guy's good. I'm going to watch his game. Like, damn, that guy's good. I want to see what he's about. I'm going to go follow him on Twitter. I'm going to go follow him on Instagram. I think that those are actual measures to get a lot of the younger players. And I think they're important measures because at the beginning, you have to peak interest. You have to peak interest. And I think that that very first thing to peak interest sometimes is the highlight reel in today's in today's age. You got to have that highlight reel and, and you got to package it in a way that's interesting. Those cameras, those 4K cameras that they've had out in the ballparks the last year and a half, those things are awesome. They look they look sweet. The, the you know the Glaber Torres home run, the um, when they have those guys out there. Oh, and by the way, those are all very strategic because those those cameras are at those players, uh, at those games, following certain players that want to be more in the in the in the limelight. So, baseball is definitely trying to do this. I think in some capacity, it's it's whether or not the strategy is right, and and I don't know if we'll know that for, you know, some time. And but this definitely <laughs> halts everything. Like slows traffic like screeching halt of mo- any momentum that's been no i i mean there's no arguing yeah. that my my opinion not opinion my theory or like is it possible that the short speed bump could actually translate to more positive things down the road you're talking about for the game itself for the game itself yeah, yeah. No, short term, everyone gets screwed if there's no season. But but that, but everyone. this is like, this is this is kind of the point. Like they need it. to be at a point where those those changes that they're thinking about, if they were to not have a season, I mean, bring those to the front of the mindset, whether you do or not, because obviously people are thinking about it, and make the changes whether you do it or not. If they play a shortened season like this, a lot of that stuff is going to be pushed into the forefront. The, a lot of the the media, like more, wearing more mics, like. Potentially, the game will be a little bit different in the sense that they're not going to have as much time. There's going to be more emphasis on on other things, I think, when you don't have a long season. And I think it will help the game out. Um, but I, I don't well, see it. Here's it. what I, I look at. So not I, playing is any, any positives. I, unfortunately, the baseball owners and the Baseball Players Association don't seem to agree on much. Right. And it, it seems like more than any, any other sport, it's harder for them to come to an agreement. Why is that? Money, man. Right. So if if each side gets a fair a fairer deal in the next CBA, maybe they can come to the agreement table quicker and more efficiently on other issues. Because a lot of times I feel like each side pushes back on small issues because they don't really want to give anything in the money. 
So it's like almost on principle. The baseball players fight back and say, no, F you, we're not doing a pitch clock. We're not doing the step out of the batter's box thing because we're pissed off about money and the owners are, are throwing up a stink about whatever it is that the owners, other than, like I'm trying to think of an example of something other than money that the owners don't want to give the players. Uh, do you have something off the top of your head? I can't think of something, but they're just—they're they're just at the end of the day, they're—they're they're trying to squeeze as much juice as they possibly can out of the players without giving more to them. Right. So I just think if you can come to a, the next CBA where it's more fair all around for the players, and I don't know if that means better, um, better the structure uh, of the contract, salaries the, and arbitration. Exactly. The structure of the contract if, is a big deal. I think the way that they have the owners, the way that that all that is set up. Is is certainly one of those one of those things that they could change to 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 make it better. So so you have um, younger players getting their money a little bit earlier, and you don't want to create a situation like the NFL had years ago, where you're paying all of this money to um, you know to uh, to draft picks. Remember, like if you remember when they had the no 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 exorbitant exactly. contracts to to um, quarterbacks that were getting taken in the top three, they were making more than the majority of the veteran players. Like that became a problem. You can't have it heavy one side or the other. It's all out of whack right now because the reality is players in their 30s are overpaid and players in their 20s are underpaid. And you're getting paid for what you have done, not what you can do. Right. So Glaber Torres right now should be making $10 million. And um, CC Sabathia shouldn't have been making $20 million when he was. Right. So, so like, how do you counterbalance that where you don't get $20 million when you're 25? Maybe you get 10, but then you also get 10 when you're 35. So it, it would have to take... a over uh, take place over time because you can't. Uh, how, do you, how do you even end that trend? Because the CC Sabathias because some of the players world are still on contract, and the CC exactly. Sabathias of the world, like when they're age thirty four or thirty three or whatever it is, and they're trying to get that one more one more big contract because they still have the ability. Like they're going to get screwed. Like there's going to be a, a level at a certain age where some of these veterans, if they were to shift into that direction, are going to be completely hosed. Like completely right. Hosed. So it's, is are we too far down the line to even fix it? I don't know. Because players are argue, like the players are never going to willingly give up those massive paydays when they're thirty years old, but maybe the payday should come when they're twenty four and not when they're thirty. Yeah, it's just a matter because of how do you start that. It's the service time, it's the arbitration years, it's all that kind of yeah. stuff. But the owners are saying, well, we figured out that players are most valuable to wins and losses when they're twenty five years old on their two million dollar contract, not when they're thirty five years old on their twenty million dollar contract. Right. So that also created an issue. And it's a whole big mess. Like far, someone much smarter than you and me needs to figure out how to fix the system. But I do see that there's the system is broken. We saw it when players like Bryce Harper and Manny Machado didn't sign until the end of spring training. Those guys are were actually those were the guys that were supposed to supposed to be the fix to the system because they weren't thirty when they were hitting free agency. Well, theoretically, if you if you look at what they, I mean, yeah, they were they were younger. Uh, the Garrett Cole of the world, like. They get, I think pitchers are in a different place. It's just, it's also because it's when they become available. And that's one of the bigger problems when they're able to hit free agency and able to go on and test the open market. And now you're talking about the arbitration, how much control you have early on and how you, how you have to effectively change the way that that's structured. That is one of the biggest roots of this problem. I think is that going back to arbitration, the fact that these guys aren't even eligible uh, for a long period of time, but the, look, I could I could argue both ways because the way that baseball is set, it takes a serious investment to get these guys through a system. Uh, the the highly talented guys that you're you're paying um, signing bonuses and all these other things too in the beginning, 
it takes that it takes a long time, a lot of effort, a lot of resources, uh, uh, and a lot of money to get them to the point where they're at uh, a place where they could, you know, be at their best at Major League Baseball. So having that control for the team is essential. Otherwise, they wouldn't invest the the you know the resources in certain players that they do. So there's both sides of this where it needs to be changed. And I think at the end of the day, like the it's the money that the players are giving or that the owners are giving in arbitration and that's just going to raise raise the uh the ceiling for what they're paying on an annual basis you brought up something about the service time that i want to touch on so don't don't let me forget about the service time service okay? time got it all right first though i want to tell you guys about bet online there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner bet online nascar is back and bet online has hundreds of other games events and sports to get in on you can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7. Or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, which is a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And live right now on BetOnline's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls players Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary. They're calling this the final dance. Horace Grant was making some waves there. I checked it. I'm not even a basketball <laughs> guy, really. But I was an MJ guy. I was a last dance guy. That that was fascinating. So go check out that um, the YouTube uh, page of Bet Online because interesting stuff, especially if you're into the uh, the last dance. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BlueWire to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all of the action. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. What were you going to remind me about? Uh, you were going to talk about service time. I can't believe I remembered that. So I, part of this proposal, I just internally, I just yeah. internally panicked because I didn't, I couldn't think of it. And then it came to me. <laughs> part of the proposal is that they will allow players who are at high risk to opt out of playing this season, but they would still receive their full salary and players would receive service time. If they opt out, if players want to opt out, they might not, but they're not high risk. They're not going to receive salary, but they're going to receive service time, which is almost more valuable than salary. Right. In today's current structure. Yeah, you're right. Because it's getting you one more pay. One what would more Glaber Torres closer. rather have? What would Glaber Torres rather have this year? $600,000 or a year of service time? I mean, preferably, I think he would rather both. But if you're saying I don't want the money and I still get the service time or I do get them, I still get the money. Yeah. One or there. You got to pick one. Um. Yeah, I guess if you had to pick one, you would probably pick service time because it gets him closer yeah. to that money. Damn right he would. But it, you're, oh, so you're saying six hundred thousand dollars without service time? Because the your options are a little a little off there. I understand <laughs> you can't get your salary without service right. time, but what I'm what my point was that the service time is more valuable to him this year than his six hundred thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, your point was your point's taken. The example was a little tricky because it was wrong. But yes. <laughs> But so the service time is like gold, not only to the players, but also to the owners. They don't want to give up service time. Right. An owner here. How about this? An owner would say, Glaber, I'll pay you your $600,000, but you're not. Getting yeah, that that's true. Time. They would. They would pay. They would pay 600 grand easily for that, that year of service time. No, that's that's one of those things that's probably not going to fly. Honestly, that's that's one yep. of those areas that there, there are. Don't get me wrong. There are plenty of these, um, these the areas in this proposal that MLB is going to laugh at. And, and they're going to say, ha, 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 good, good, good Isn't effort. that frustrating, though, that like a proposal goes on the table, whether it's from the players or from the owners, and another, and the other side can just laugh at it in the face blatantly. The players are like, 
F you, a guy making $30 million isn't taking 20% of his salary. And then this, the, the owners are going to be like, F you. We're not giving service time to someone who doesn't play. Yeah. Well, you, you could look at it in this way. Uh, like when they're talking about high-risk players, they have to obviously clearly define what the hell that means. Because that is very open and to that's gonna be, of course, interpretation. An ongoing ne- negotiation that's never going to be I saw something upon. about if, if, um, if a player was uh, higher risk or, or more susceptible to something or their spouse or children. Or their family, yeah. Things like that. Like that those are goes back to the elements that we were talking about uh, a couple of weeks ago when you're talking about some of these players that have you know, kids with issues. Like you gotta be, you got to be sensitive to that because it's a real thing. So there's going to have to build in these contingencies. Also, if a player were to, uh, you know, get the virus in the middle of it and then things change, now what? Now what does that player look like in the sense of how much are they getting paid? Do they get the service time? What is the deal with what is the deal with that? Like, there's you got to figure out all that stuff too. But I do think that again, like, they're, it's getting closer. It's a time crunch, man. Like they gotta. I think that these guys have. Hassan said it needs to get done this week. I, I don't disagree, and well, especially if they're going to hit these timelines. June thirtieth is a little June thirtieth, and that's where because the, you got to have spring training. They got to have three weeks of spring training, is what they were saying. And 114 games starting June thirtieth. That's where you go. Okay, that's unrealistic. Let's shave that down because we're not playing until probably middle of July. But let's. I I did the math. Okay, so 82 games is three full months of regular season with only four off days per month. So four off days July, three off, I think it was four off days July, three off days August, four off days September. That gets you to 82 games. If you're playing 114, that's adding how many games? That's adding 34 games. So another full month of games, you're reducing off days and adding another month. I just don't see how the schedule allows for that. And honestly, if we're bringing baseball back when you're when you're looking at this as a just kind of like top level down, it doesn't actually matter. I know it matters for the players because it's directly affected uh, directly correlated with the amount of money that they make, but as a fan, when we're looking at we just want it back. Like if it's 82 games or 100 games, like it doesn't matter right now. No, it doesn't. In fact, I rather have You just got to come back. Year. You just got to come back and play whatever this whatever that semblance of a regular season is, get into the playoffs. it's not a full season. So I don't care if it's 142 game. I'm sorry. I don't care if it's 114 games. I don't care if it's 80 games. It doesn't matter. Like just come back and figure out whatever that looks like. It doesn't need to be an extended period of time. The reason they're doing this is all because of the way that it's structured them saying, we're not going to take a a, a decrease. So we're going to add more games to, to get the money back. That's the biggest problem of this whole thing. You look at the, the way that the players are getting paid. Number one problem. That is the biggest problem. The owners are saying we want to pay you less and then the players are countering with, we want to raise. So based, just, um, I saw this tweet from somebody. I think it was uh, Mike Medvin. Uh, works for Yes Network. The union wants Garrett Cole to make $25 million this season. That's a prorated 114-game season. The, uh, the league wants to pay him about $8 bucks, prorated <laughs> with the sliding scale cuts, 82-game season. $17 million difference. It's a gap. How, how do you come back from that? And and oh by know. the way, that's why. And oh by the way, that's why I don't see this. And working. oh by the way, that it, under the the players, uh, the twenty five million, like some of that would be uh, deferred. But again, to me, like that's that's a crazy amount of deferred money when you start looking at all the. It's just when you look at the gap between them, it's it's pretty significant. So, yeah, 
And deferred money is yes. going to have problems other. That is not a magic solution. They're putting it up there as an option. It is not a magic solution. We've talked about this. It's going to affect spending. And then there's going to be systematic problems, systemic problems moving forward. And the collecting bargaining agreement going into the next one, when they're, when they're sitting down at the table, there's going to be even bigger problems. Do we know if it's $10 million? If you make, if your original 2020 salary was prorated. supposed to be $10 I million? It's prorated. So it's prorated. So that's a small percentage of the league. Yeah. I'll, I'll because that, but yeah. because under that you were you had to be a player making about twenty million or above, which is a small percentage of the. League. I'm sorry, before being prorated, my bad. Before, okay, yeah. that's a bigger, deferral, that's a greater. I have it right here, deferral would only uh, would be only if the postseason's canceled. Number one, and would apply to contracts of ten million dollars and above before being prorated. Payments would be in November twenty one and to uh, November of uh, November of twenty one and twenty two. That's a, even a large portion of the Yankees' salaries. Yeah. yeah. Brett, Brett Gardner, Aaron Hicks, guys that you don't even think of as like big money players. Uh, Gardner, LeMahieu, Hicks, off the top of my head. Hap, Tanaka, Paxton. The entire, the whole, the entire, the whole, the whole starting, starting pitching staff. The entire, everybody, who, everybody who's Cole. not in arbitration. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and Gio, is Gio, and Gio Urshela. Well, he's, he's in arbitration. arbitration. Well, he has yet to be, get arbitration. So my, think, the thing but. is, is that, but I'm, I'm just thinking of like the type of player uh, that would not have probably a $10 million contract. The, look, it's, it's affecting pri- pretty much the majority of the league, minus the younger guys who aren't well, there not yet. The, you know, the, it's not the majority of the league because on the, the good teams, the league on the good teams, I'm not talking about, you know, some of these other teams that nobody gives a rat's ass about. I'm talking about the teams that would be contenders. It's, it's affecting Surprisingly though, the majority of the league makes makes a couple million bucks or less. That's why the whole owner's original proposal was trying to drive a wedge between the majority, which is the lower salary guys, and the minority, which is the higher salary guys. But the majority of the good teams have the higher end players, and that's what will be affected, thus affecting the game. So so you <laughs> you started by saying this is positive and you're optimistic, but like I we can so easily punch holes in all. Of course you can. I do look. I, I still think it's it's one of those things. I said this after the even the the MLB one, which was vehemently denied and, and rejected. I still think that it was a starting point, and they're not going. This is a negotiation ploy. Same with MLBPA. They're not going to come out and be like, "Okay, this is it. This is what we got. This is the only thing I'm going to do. Take it or leave it." No, it's a it's a it's a. Okay, we're at the table. Okay, we're at the table. Now let's figure this shit out. And I truly believe they got to be a. They got to get to a point where they're close enough where they can be in a room and have these conversations with their lawyers, whatever they got to do, and figure this damn thing out and get on the goddamn field. So, we, we, there's the other uh, piece of the, the, another piece of this as far as baseball teams and salary goes is a lot of teams have started to cut minor league wages. Yep. And that $400 stipend a week, which is already basically like, chump change as far as for these what these players are going through and now they're not even going to get a season minor league players are paid dirt and a lot of teams have just cut them entirely oakland athletics cut them the nationals uh reduced, reduced it, it from a 400 little bit to 300 to 300 and sean doolittle tweeted that the nationals players are getting together to make up that difference and then we also saw that david price is donating a thousand dollars to all minor league players in the dodgers organization that's a, that's a lot and, of players. i mean like david price is it's a, a, it's a quarter of a million dollars. David Price is a little bitch, but I got to say, that's a good move. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I he, I still think he's a dingleberry. Oh yeah, but he's like, a little. That's a good yeah, move. We, no, but that's a good move off the field. It's a quarter of a million. I can separate. Bucks out I can separate pocket. things off the field and on the field at this point. <laughs> Uh, the Twins, Royals, and Astros have said their organization will continue to pay minor. Imagine leaders. if the Astros didn't. I, I know, mean, come right? on. Like they, uh, they're following like PR one hundred and one at this point. I don't even know how they must have brought somebody else in to do that because they wouldn't. Have, the old so, the old regime would have never made that decision. But you're getting some teams to say, "Sorry, we're not paying you," and others have said, "We're going to reduce four hundred one k contributions and all that kind of stuff." So this is affecting. And those guys aren't part of the union. The minor leaguers are not part of the union. You're the Nationals. And you think that, all right, we're trying to save some money here. You have, like, literally one of the... Just won the freaking World Series. Won the World Series. You have one <laughs> you of... Made so much money this offseason. You have one season. of the most uh, wealthy owners in all of baseball. I think this guy's the number... I think I saw somewhere where he's the wealthiest person in Maryland. Like... That's a pet peeve of Listen mine, to this. by the way. You, you think it's a good idea. Not, not You're not getting rid of them, but you're, you're just... You're 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 knocking them down a little bit. You're like, okay, I'm just giving them a little backhand swipe. One hundred dollars. Twenty five percent. One hundred dollars off of it. Like, okay, you're a multi billionaire. Is that really going to make a difference over the PR mess that you're creating? Like, what are you doing? No, but you these, might as well just get billi- rid of the. You might as well just shave it all at that point. These owners are all billionaires. So to say he's one of the wealthiest, like, yeah, fine. I'm talking he's about he's, the- yeah, he's one of the wealthiest of the wealthy. Right, but they're all if you're an owner, you're one of 30 people, okay? There's 30 teams, there's 30 owners. And I get there's groups. I was gonna say, so there's fine. Groups Let's just like owners, make it yeah. simple. You're Don't talk about one Jerry of 30. Like this. You're one of 30. You're in the elite of the elite of the elite, the 0.1% of the 0.1% of the 0.1% already. Okay? They didn't get to that point in life by just giving handouts. So whether it's right or wrong, I'm not arguing. What I'm saying is that's not how they've operated to become billionaires. Guess what? You're now in a different position. You're now in a place that's in a a global pandemic where what you do and how you go about that matters. And the narrative to the, the way that you conduct business is a big deal at this point because people are watching how you are treating people. And by doing this, by making a, a, a glaring thing, basically make, making your players come out and put the money up and saying, well, look, these guys are too important for us to, to have to struggle even a little bit. We're going to help them out. Sean Doolittle comes out and says, you know, on, the, on behalf of the Nationals players where they had a Zoom and like immediately, uh, the Nationals love Zoom, by the way. They've been doing all sorts of stuff on there. That's an endorsement deal right there. Zoom could be all over the place. But like the, the players are in a position now where they're, 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 they're like, oh, well, we're obviously going to do this because we were minor leaguers. We understand how valuable and how important the minor leaguers and the minor league system is to the health of baseball. Why is the owner not saying that? It's, it's, it's one of the most obvious things. Like, of course you need your farm system to have your pro system. Like it doesn't, they don't work without each other. It's ridiculous. Scott, you're thinking logically. I'm thinking that's also. Your, that's on the, the first mistake. No, you made. I'm thinking I'm also thinking on the sense that like these guys are so have done so well in life that you should have people around them that also knows what the hell they're doing in certain areas, like public relations. Okay, we've learned that baseball is not good at that. It's crazy. Baseball and public relations does not mix. It's just one of those things, man. Like you could you could take the the bottom line and the fiscal what it what it does that hundred dollars, but at the end of the day. Does that affect your value to a point where it's actually taking more money out of your pocket? Probably. 
Or but, these guys but don't care not. and they don't think it does. They don't. They have an equation no, exactly. and a spreadsheet that says otherwise. Nailed it. Yeah. They have an equation that says the PR hit will not offset the actual revenue hit. So at the end of the day, it goes down to the goddamn nerds again. They're yeah. ruining baseball. <laughs> if people would um, use the goddamn eye test, we would see that this is not good things. And baseball, baseball just needs to get rid of the nerds. That's what I'm saying here. The nerds need to go. Okay. So last thing I want to talk about is the 64 hours of Derek Jeter content that MLB Network aired. And I feel like we, we've been on this podcast has been on a run of good timing. We released the Jeter five episode, the history episode, like right when everyone was talking about Derek Jeter this weekend. And then the previous week we had some news when we recorded and we just had some news late last night before we recorded. So well, now we're screwed. Thank people you. Were, people were big mad about the Derek Jeter 64 hours of content. You mean other than Dead Yankee spin. fans? Yeah, non-Yankee fans. Deadspin wrote an article titled 64 hours of Jeter is 62 hours too long. I'm surprised they acknowledged two hours of, of needing it, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Amazing Avenue, which I'm assuming is a Mets blog, wrote 64 things I'd rather do than watch 64 hours of Derek Jeter content. Bleed Cubby Blue. Day 77 without baseball. Really, Jeter? So people no, not it's happy really that Jeter? MM- I think it's more like, really, Jeter? Like, he's the guy? Yeah. So, the Cubs, the Cubs um, need this. I mean, like, what, what, uh, are they, uh, they get muscles after 2006? Yes. Yeah. So, I, I find it fascinating that, like, post retirement, Jeter and A Rod have just totally flipped lives. They've done, like, a, a Freaky Friday switch where everyone hates Jeter since he's retired and everyone loves a rod when that was completely reversed when they were playing. I don't I know you're going way too far with that. Nobody hates Jeter. People are sick of it. People, people treat Jeter. People are tired of people Jeter. treat Jeter. Like the overrated narrative is like insane. Well, you, cause you cause it comes up on your timeline a lot of uh, people hating uh, on that side. But I, I do, you go to the core baseball fans across the league and look at like good baseball fans from these, from these teams. There's, there's an appreciation there. There's no doubt. People don't want to see the Yankees. Do you think Derek Jeter? People don't want to see the Yankees on a, a, a marathon on, a, on one of their television networks. That's, that's the problem. Also, the thing, it's like MLB Network, really? You have to air the entire game of Derek Jeter getting like one hit at the end. You can't just air the ninth inning or something like that. Yeah, they're struggling. Like, I don't get these. Because like, they're looking for when things these... that are already cut up that they already have in their log library. Just cut it down, though. They, they can't. They don't have the people to do it. They got rid of them all. <laughs> and they got to fill the airwaves. No, they got to fill the 24 hours of content. Yeah, I, I wish I were joking. Like, that's probably one of the reasons. So uh, the history episode on Friday was called the Jeter Five, and it's about the 92 MLB draft and the five teams that passed on Derek Jeter, which I found it completely fitting that Jeter ended up winning five titles, one for every team that passed on him in the draft, um, and what happened to the five players that were taken ahead of Derek Jeter. The Astros get the most shit for not taking Jeter because Newhauser, who was their scout, you know the story of him quitting when they took Phil Nevin instead. But I think like the biggest what if moment is if the the Orioles didn't take Jeffrey Hammonds and took Jeter instead. Because the reason Jeter dropped in the draft was because teams didn't want to pay him the signing bonus. And there was fear he would go to college. The the Orioles ended up paying Hammonds the most signing bonus, mm. more than Jeter got. They just took a guy named Jeffrey Hammonds, who was like a middling outfielder. I remember when Jeffrey Hammonds first came into the league, there was a kid on my block who was, for some reason, 
a big Orioles fan and he was obsessed with Jeffrey Hammonds. I don't even know why like he was such a he was a college stud. Yeah, oh, he was he's like these guys gave me the greatest thing ever. So to 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 be fair at the time like Jeffrey Hammonds definitely did fall off the face of the planet from what they thought he was going to be. Um but yeah, I remember. I specifically remember uh, this kid on my block loving Jeffrey Hammond. So it got it got pretty comical pretty quick, actually. And they had to watch Jeter just completely own the Orioles for twenty years in the division. Too. And what so, year did Ripken retire? Uh, Nineteen two thousand, right? I'm just two thousand. So it would have been an interesting. It would have been a, a a similar a similar move when Jeter. Or, or, you know, moving to third. But Ripken was already at third base by the so time. So Ripken goes to third base, though, and, and you have uh, Ripken, or you have Jeter, who essentially physically is like the, the, the duplication of what Ripken was. Like Ripken started or was one of the first guys, you know, the big shortstop. So one of the, that, that trend. And you slide in Derek Jeter right there to interesting little, interesting little uh, historical moment at shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles that thank, thankfully didn't happen. Yeah, I know. <laughs> And do you know the story that Dick Rock, the um, the scout, predicted he'd land in Cooperstown? Yeah. On the conference call before the draft. That's great. So that, that was a little uh, legendary moment for for Grock. So check out that episode. I had fun researching it. Um, have not decided on the next the next show. Got to figure that one out for Friday. It's only Monday, so I got I got some time. You got time. You got time. No, it was really good, man. Killing it with these uh, with these history podcasts. I'm loving them. So um, this one this one was. Look, I think we just put on more stuff with Jeter. <laughs> let's just keep, let's just keep yeah. going Jeter. Yeah, I got to find some more stuff. And if you guys out there have some suggestions, because this was a suggestion from a listener, and then the, um, the which what other one? The, the Subway Series one was a suggestion from a listener. So shoot me over your topics. Sometimes someone will suggest something, and then I do some research on it, and I'm like, ah, this is a five-minute segment. It's not right. a 20-minute episode. Yeah. It's interesting, but like, how do I turn this into an episode? Yeah, um, yeah, it's got to so, have the both. It's got to have it's got to have legs with a story so that you can really get into some of the details and then also be interesting enough that people want to hear it. So that's a that's the combo. Yeah, yeah. So shoot me over your. You can DM me on on Twitter or you can shoot me an email, Andrew at Bronx Pinstripes, if you uh, if you have an idea for the history episodes. Um, last thing, just want to mention. I don't know if people know this, but my family owns a coffee company. My dad is a, a roast master. He's also a Yankees fan, but he's also a roast master. So I uh, just want to direct you guys, if you're, if you're coffee drinkers, which I feel like everyone is at this point, right? Caffeine's America's favorite drink. You have to be a coffee. I don't, yeah. If you don't drink coffee, it's hard to trust you, honestly. I don't know how you live. Maybe it's just jealousy. <laughs> like, I can't believe you get through a day without coffee. Um, but yeah. You know who's not a coffee guy? JJ. Yeah, I forgot about that. So yeah. he's too high wired anyway. I can understand that. Some people are definitely yeah. just wired a different way and, and need the alternative, yeah. need the other side of it to, to actually get them get themselves right. Sometimes I feel that way, but I can't I can't start thing, the day, <laughs> like any day without it. I can't drink how it throughout many, the day though. I've definitely how cut many down. cups how many cups are you a day? Um so I drink it in the morning. You know, I, I I've actually cut it down. So I I my my coffee pot gets filled to it used to be a full pot. Now, it, then it went to like eight. Now, it, then it went down to six. Now, I found like that happy place at five. So it's at five, which actually ex- ends up being like two cups, maybe a little bit more than that. And I find that. Um, How? How does that become two cups? You know, a cup two mu- is eight ounces. Two mug, like because I have everybody has different yeah. mug sizes. And right. now I fill so, one of these boys up, and I have a little bit extra in a mug. So a serving size of coffee is eight ounces. 
which is insane because no one just drinks eight ounces of coffee. Like you go to you go to any. Yeah, see that that Yankees mug right yeah. there is probably twelve. I'm ounces. showing, yeah, I'm showing a mug if you can't see this, but the uh, it's yes, this is a huge. It's at least twelve right. ounces. It might even be two cups, sixteen. It's ounces. a big one. So if you drink one of those, you're like, oh, I'm drinking one cup, but really right. you're drinking two. So it's like you go to like Starbucks and you get like the venti or whatever it is. It's like twenty two ounces. It's just like yeah, getting like four cups of coffee and half and the like people one, put like an insane cup. amount of cream and all that I stuff know. in there, and it becomes like a f- seven hundred cal- calorie calorie uh, drink, and that's why you know. So Probably. what I wanted to say is the coffee company that my, that my dad started 35 years ago is called Richard Allen Coffee. Uh, go check them out, richardallencoffee.com. And we're running a promotion right now. So if you listen to this show, uh, and you can get 25% off if you use code BRONX, B-R-O-N-X, on the website, 25% off your order. It's a hell of a deal, honestly, because the coffee's great. It's delicious it's coffee. Micro- I, can, I can absolutely uh, – I, I, I drink the coffee – I am a Richard Allen coffee drinker. <laughs> the The fact that, that your dad is a roast master, I, I feel like that plays on so roast many. Roast master Rick is his nickname. Oh, I love it. It plays on so many different levels because I think that we should have a roast master segment. But until that happens, we're, we are, uh, we are cre- you're, you're creating a deal here that your dad will come on and co-host with me if we get enough orders. And you yep. have a number on here that I'm going to change. I'm, <laughs> if 100 people, 100 people order this coffee and you use the code Bronx for 25% off. 100 people. That is not a lot of people. Uh, Roastmaster, hold on. Roastmaster Rick, which is a great name, is going to co-host a show with me. Not, yeah, I'm Andrew not gonna gets be on booted and his dad comes on. Let's go, guys. I have not discussed this with him, though. That's fine. That's even better. <laughs> this, is, this needs to happen. 100 people using the code Bronx gets 25% off at richardallencoffee.com. Get some good coffee. You drink it anyway. This is better coffee than you're drinking. And it's probably more affordable too, honestly. It's, it's not. Small business, there's, there's like three employees. Yeah. One of them is my mom. There you go. It's good stuff, man. It, it is very it's good coffee. 100 people, code Bronx, 25% off. Andrew's dad co-hosts the show with me. Come I'll, on, tweet out the, I'll tweet out the link and I'll put it in the show notes, but it's richardallencoffee.com. Uh, so yes, go check it out. We would appreciate it. And I know some people have already ordered some podcast listeners. All right. So, so we'll, thank you to, we'll, uh, thank you to those we'll guys. We'll chalk that up for a, a, at guys. least, at no, least no, 25, they, no, right? hundred people, uh, 25. No, no, no. <laughs> they, they've been ordering for, for like you. years. Um, 20, a uh, hundred people need to use the code Bronx. All right. Perfect. We can yeah, do this starting we today. Can definitely do this. And then I'll have to convince my dad to, uh, to come on. Oh no. Yeah. Them. There's no, there's no convincing. It's got to happen now. You're going to have to come up with all the topics Fine. though. I will gladly Stop. easily do that. I can give you some pointers. I can point you in the directions that's going to get them heated. Perfect. <laughs> All righty. That's going to do it for this show. Maybe by next Monday, we'll have an actual deal in place. Yeah. Knock on wood, man. I wouldn't. That would be. That would be a miracle. <laughs> that would be a miracle. June 1st was the soft deadline, and today's June 1st, and we don't have a deadline. So I think. You know, it's a soft deadline. That that's a flexible date. But if they want to get on the field anytime around July first, something needs to be hammered out ASAP. Yeah, because guys gotta get back to baseball, man. They gotta get back in shape. They gotta get back in baseball shape, which we know is different than just lifting weights and uh, pushing Instagram models up on on uh, you know <laughs> That's how that's how you pull a lap muscle, yeah. John Carlo. Bench pressing Instagram models. Not not the way to go. Nope. All right, look. all right. 
Give me, give me some baseball, please. Give me some baseball. Talk to you next week. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.